the Scholars in Iron podcast. I thought that people who wore that stupid safety pin, it made me so fucking angry. <laughs> like, not only do they want people to look at them and be like, oh, you're one of the good white people. They're endangering people. They can't throw a punch. They can't block. They can't run. So I was like, well, if I want to be able to defend myself and somebody else, I should train a martial art. Good morning, and welcome to the Scholars in Iron podcast. I'm your host, Joe, coming to you from outside the nation's capital, right here in the DMV. The objective of Scholars in Iron is very straightforward. It's to associate strength training with intellectual endeavors. On the show, we'll examine the connection between capitalism and CrossFit, philosophy and powerlifting, all to raise some hell and even a few questions. By the end of each episode, We'll get one rep closer to living the phrase, civilize the mind, but make savage the body. Now come on, let's lift. What strikes me as remarkable and humbling about people who've taken up lifting or sports later in life is the unintended chains of meaning they've discovered through training. And there are many, from a desire to feel or look better, to even wanting to protect others, to be useful for someone beyond yourself. Whatever the initial reasoning might have been, it becomes a lifelong internal dialogue between yourself and the external factors you struggle against, or in this case, fight. I recently spoke to Heather Squire, an activist and Muay Thai fighter based in Philadelphia, whose own journey from being fearful to conquering herself manifested in more ways than victory in the ring. We spoke about her training, her belief, and what lay in store next for Heather as she ventures into Thailand to take her skills to the next level. I was in grad school. I was pretty unhappy, and then Trump was elected. Got pretty depressed, and so got like just started drinking and smoking a lot more and was pretty unhappy and then also felt like when since he was elected that it would embolden white supremacists like the violent kind and then I just randomly talked to an old friend and she was like oh you should try Muay Thai kickboxing and I was like okay then I just found a gym in Philly and just went yeah and I was smoking a lot and drinking a lot and eating like the cheapest takeout on campus I like my body hurt a lot my back hurt when I started, and then so to begin with the Muay Thai, when I took a first class, the, like the warm up is, you know, you're jumping rope and you're doing push ups, you're doing a lot of calisthenics and stuff like that, and then doing some punching and kicking drills with partners. And just jumping rope killed me. I was so ashamed that like I'd gotten to the point where jump roping for two minutes was difficult. I got a jump rope and practice at home, and I went a couple times a week for a month, and I decided, all right, I love this. It, it sucks, it hurts. I visited a friend in New York and like going up and down the stairs to the subway, it hurt my butt so bad. <laughs> it was awful. But I decided to st- stick with it. And then at the same time, I was taking a break from Philly, a subletter friend of mine's apartment in Queens for the summer because she was working out of state. So I just went to the closest Muay Thai school to where I stayed, which was out in Forest Hills. And it was Kings of Combat Fitness in Regal Park. It was like a third of a mile away. So I stayed there over the summer. I had a few contract gigs, but largely I just, I just trained. That's all I did. I got my membership. I, I didn't have very much money and I just trained every day. And then I started running and I was just like, I was so determined. And then I was getting to run further distances. And then one day the coach there was like, Heather, are you losing weight? 
And I was like, oh, I don't know. And he was like, yo, go get on the scale. And it had been two months and I had lost 25 pounds since I had started there. I hadn't even noticed, but I knew I was getting stronger, but it was, I was so like just doing this thing every day and I, I felt really strong. And so, yeah, once I had that experience of training really hard and then I noticed like, some other fighters in the gym that were training even harder than everybody else. And then they were more like, had a bunch of self-directed stuff and just like, their intensity and like, how much time they put towards it. I was very impressed with it. And then also while I was there, I, I went to see Boy Thai fights for the first time. One of the fights was two women. And it was uh, Yasmin Salhani and Jessica Cavanero. And I was so impressed by it. I was like, holy shit, like women can do this. They were so strong and fast. And I was like, I, I think I want to fight, you know. I know that I'm like old for the sport, especially compared to them. I'm like, you know, in my late 30s and... You know, I should be trying to finish grad school, but I was like, this is, this feels so good training. So I decided to just keep going forward. Academia can often feel like a bubble and the program you're in details what you'll be doing every semester, every year, sometimes as long as you want. It's both challenging intellectually, but it can also feel safe and even unassuming. So I liked how Heather described her own experience and what that was like stepping out into a different world completely as she discovered her own strength in doing so. Since I started feeling better, I had this conversation with myself, kind of. I was like, how would I live my life if I wasn't scared? Because I had confidence for the first time. You know, I was like, what would I do? Because I felt more confident and I felt like I was overcoming my fears. And I, I was like, I don't know what I would do. But I also recognized that the only reason that I was in a PhD program at all was because I was scared of being poor. I was scared of being homeless. I was scared that like this, the bottom was going to fall out and I couldn't find a job. And I knew like deep inside that I wasn't going to be happy doing whatever stupid job. Like I was much happier working with my hands or whatever, but I, it was just, I felt like I was supposed to, you know, to be respectable, to be middle-class, to like get a family and, you know, to get those things. I thought that's what I was supposed to do. But I was like, well, I don't want to do this. There's no jobs left in academia, but also, uh, I didn't want to work on theoretical stuff. I was studying housing. I was really interested in housing policy and social housing. I wanted to like do something practical. And I was like, if I just get my master's degree, I'll be able to get a job doing like practical working for a city or nonprofit or something. Yeah, so I left the PhD program and just decided to finish my master's degree. Do you ever feel as if the body you're in doesn't quite move the way you want it to? It could be something small like hopping out of bed, but knowing you're going to wrench your lower back. Or major, like feeling your grip strength slip on a heavy deadlift. It's hard to draw the line between one's mental state and the physical, and many coaches will tell you that most of it is what you tell yourself you can or can't do. Training in a sport is more than just coordinating your body, but coordinating it with your mind in order to perform a certain task necessary for the sport. So here's what Heather had to say on the matter. My coaches pushed me so so hard not beyond what i could do so much of it's mental that it's really funny i feel like i picked up some kind of like a psychological exercise routine as opposed to just like some physical fitness thing you know there's so much calisthenics and stuff in muay thai there's so many like things that you have to do and develop your endurance for instance i do like knees on the bag is when you hold a heavy bag and you skip and throw from your hip your knee into the bag and you'll have to do a few hundred of those so you've got to get the rhythm and do that. And it's exhausting, but you know, they'll be coming and they'll be like harder, harder while you're doing it. And you'll feel like I can't do this. And if you say in your mind for a second, I can't do this, you'll like lose your rhythm and fall or you'll like stop. And, and then if you stop, it's like, no, 
So you're trying to push yourself to mentally say it. The same thing we like we'll do like the the warm up at there in the beginning of every class is essentially it's ten minutes of jumping rope straight. You'll do two minutes of jumping rope. There'll be a thirty second break in between, but instead of waiting, we sprint. Go really fast with your knees up really high, and you'll do that either three or four times. And then you'll do like 20 push-ups, 20 sit-ups, and 20 squats, and then we'll stretch. So that's just like the warm-up to get your muscles moving and stuff like that. And it's hard to do one push-up, one good push-up, if you don't regularly do one or if you've never done one. Everybody in the class has to do that. Some people take a lot longer than others, and it's okay. You have to just push yourself to do it, and you slowly build your endurance, but it takes a while. You have to be mentally tough to do that. Because like, who wants to do anything that's uncomfortable or that sucks, you know? But the thing is, like, you actually increase your strength really quickly. Like, if you do that every morning, like, by the end of the week, you could probably do two or three push-ups pretty good, you know, and then, like, think it in another week. The physical strength, it's an interesting thing because you can actually see the results of it. Because I love doing it, too, like, the compound, like, body movement. It's all, like, a lot more mental than you ever give it credit for. And I always say, like, before I was training, I felt like a brain driving around a meat robot. Once I, like, started training and was really feeling it, I felt like it had forcefully, like, sewed my head back to my body. I became not like a, you know, the meat robot with a brain, but I became a thinking, feeling, sensory organ where, like, my whole body is taking in information and learning and stuff instead of just in my head. As I discussed last week with James Robinson, as a leftist and activist, I always felt like the two worlds I engaged in, the political and the gym, were at odds. The crowds were different, the mentalities were different, and so I wanted to get Heather's take on this and how she has tried to put the two together. So I guess one thing is it's helped me think more clearly about certain parts of politics. I've like always been like a lefty person. I don't know, I don't really have a party or a label for it. But, uh, like, I've had a hard time trying to find a place politically, and now, you know, this many years since the recession and, like, Occupy and different movements and, like, this feeling of, like, you know, the inevitability of, like, climate disasters and, like, all this shit that we're facing, I don't know, like, what to do politically. Like, I don't have a lot of faith in things. And with training, with sparring, for instance, though, I was able to, like, think about disagreements and like the different conflicts between like different factions of the left and between left and right. Like I could be less emotional about them, which was making it difficult to think clearly about what to do. Because I I, like got used to like, oh, this is my opponent. Like my opponent wants to take my head off. I want to take their head off. Like if I try to be like courteous and like do that, that's, that's, that's an opening. So you know, if, it, if that's just what they're doing, it's not personal or something like that. I can think more clearly about the strategy to, like, defeat them. Well, in the political scene, it's sort of like you don't know that you have a, a common mission. You kind of, like, we get together under a big umbrella or something for certain things, but we don't really know, like, where people stand on other stuff. Or maybe we, like, assume that everybody's agreeing, but, like, really it's just this one point that we're agreeing on. So it's sort of like... Uh, I guess it's like more opportunistic and transactional, the relationships you have versus like in the gym, like people really want to be there. They're not like the people that want to like excel and like come out of that are going to be fighters. And everybody at the gym is excited for their, somebody from their ranks because it could be anybody and you get to support them. Like there's no weirdness if somebody thinks that they want to give that a try it's not you know if they're an asshole and an egomaniac and stuff you know then 
and like make things uncomfortable at the gym, that's a different story. But just wanting to do something great in itself isn't, you know, looked down upon. Heather's currently in Thailand, where she'll be training for two weeks with some of the top minds in the sport. And she describes some of what the training might entail. I'm going to go and train. There's lots of what are called Muay Thai camps all over Thailand. You can go for like a couple days or like a couple weeks. There's fighters that stay there most of the year or six months. And there's fighters from all over the world. Or sometimes there's like just people that want to go and get in shape. And then you go there and it's pretty inexpensive relative to a lot of other places. But so Thailand's the, you know, it's the home of Muay Thai. So it's if you want to go and learn and come to understand it within its cultural context where it came from, you'll go and do that. And so it's you stay there, you stay in like either like shared rooms or dorms or whatever, and you train twice a day. Like you wake up at five and then go train for three hours, have some time off, and then you train again in the evening and you do that six days a week. So it's really intensive, but you get attention from coaches and trainers who have hundreds of fights under their belt because there's a certain kind of knowledge that you only get from being in the ring that's like becoming some like a dancer or to be like to imagine dancing tango with somebody except you have to you're like improvising it based on like one person's leading you know how you go we always just think of like boxing or combat sports as just violence but ultimately the biggest thing you have to conquer is yourself in that ring That's all we have for today, guys. I just wanted to thank Heather Squire for sharing her experience and time in the ring with me. Music by Robert Slump. For Scholars and Iron, this is Joe, signing off.